Welcome to the Celebrate Brave podcast. I'm Nicole Church-Steinbach, your host and the international bravery coach for women in tech. I serve women all over the world to earn more money, create more opportunities, and thrive in the tech industry because tech needs all of us. Are you ready? Let's go. Hello, brave people, and welcome to season two of the Celebrate Brave podcast. I am starting season two with a inspiring and mic drop filled conversation with Zoe Evans. Zoe Evans is the CEO and founder of the Female Founders Squad. And you're going to hear all about why she chose that name, the service that she's providing to the world, et cetera, in this conversation. The Female Founder Squad is an online community designed to connect, support, inform, and fund female-led, women-led startups. Zoe is located in Aberdeen, and I will tell you, I started season two with this conversation with Zoe because the book Untamed by Glennon Doyle started this entire podcast. In episode one, season one, I share how inspiring the definition of brave is from Glennon Doyle. Brave being disappointing everyone else, but never yourself. And Zoe shares how the same book led her on an entirely different pathway. Speaking with Zoe reminded me that we all have our own unique journey into tech, into why it matters that we're in tech, and how we can make it better. Enjoy this conversation. Hi, how are you? Hi. Thank you for having me. It's great to be here. Oh, and I'm thrilled to have you. It's so exciting to be on a similar time zone. So we're recording this as I'm still in Germany and you're in Scotland. I am. I am. I'm in Stonehaven, mm-hmm. just outside Aberdeen. Yes. And for those of us who have spent 2020 suffering because we haven't been traveling, if you have not yet been to Aberdeen, that's now on your list in the top 10. <laughs> it is yeah. stunning and the food is incredible the seafood and the fresh vegetables I've never seen before are incredible. Ski. Oh my gosh. Yes. (laughs) Quick encouragement. I try to slip these in as much as possible. I went to Dublin and then boyfriend now husband took me to Jameson's and they asked for volunteers at the beginning. And I was like, in a whiskey place, they're asking for volunteers. That's me. (laughs) It's got I my name and... all over it. <laughs> yes, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> knew I was coming. <laughs> yeah. So we're already breaking these ideas, right? Because there's this global concept that women don't drink whiskey. Yeah. Yeah. Right. And there's also this global concept that women aren't founders. Yes. And there's proof, right? Because your group. Yeah. The female founder squad F. FS and for our non-native English audience, that also stands for, and I'll be the one to say it, for fuck's sake. Yes. <laughs> really? Yeah. Right? That's that's exactly. 20% of 
investment goes to women and the percentage. Oh, or no, that's not yeah. true. Twenty percent of the workforce. Globally, exactly. The, the tech workforce is women. Yeah. Yeah, because yeah. the I mean, actual for founders is how much? Two point three percent we're down to this year. So we, we've reduced significantly further than the three percent that we had. Woo. Um, yeah, I think, and this has been a record year for VC funding. So in the States, the US had 156 billion be VC funding in 2020, followed by China, uh, 46 billion, and followed by the UK at 15 billion, which doesn't sound a lot compared to the US, but for the UK, for all those countries, it's a record year. But significantly, women across the globe got 2.3% of that hundreds of billions of dollars spent on um, on startups. So COVID has reduced our, our VC funding back to 2017 figures. Just to add a, a further layer of insult on top of that, if you are a woman of ethnicity, of that 2.3%, you get 0.27%. Sorry, what? say that again. Zero what? Women, yeah, women of ethnicity get 0.27% of the 2.3% of VC funding. So what the actual fuck is no, yeah, <laughs> it is no wonder that I named my company Female Founders Squad abbreviated to FFS for fuck's sake, because we are literally just, I just, it's, it's unbelievable to me that this is happening because the tech world is one of the, well, you know, let's face it, it's the, one of the newest industries out there. Mm. It's the most innovative forward thinking industry yet its culture and its views of women and female founders is so barbaric and in the dark ages that it's crazy. It's just, you know, and we're just exasperated that in 2021, we're here, like, really? Like, are are you, like, how much? (laughs) You know, so, um, yeah, I, I really wanted to make a point with the name of the company when I decided to launch that when it was being spoken about in you know, it would be shortened to FFS. And that's for a specific reason, just to assure exasperation that we're actually still dealing with this and actually, no, we're not happy about it. And it really calls in people who are ready to have the conversations, the people who are ready to drive the change, right? You're really calling in specific founders as yeah, well. Yeah. I mean, a lot of people were like, oh, that's really risky. You know, you're going to turn mm. off a lot of people. And I was like, that's fine. Because those are the people I don't want to talk to anyway. If, <laughs> if, you know, if they don't want to embrace it and realize that change needs to happen, then I can't convince them. It's the people who go, oh my God, I love that. Right. Those are the people who will help change and will be a positive impact along with companies like mine because there is what's great is there is this amazing growing movement of companies like mine of VCs who you know VCs and angel um, syndicates or groups that are actually focused on just funding underrepresented founders and that's you know not just women but and um, you know males of ethnicity but all mm-hmm. of the LBGTQ community all of that and these underrepresented founders need this movement to happen but what I found in in doing a lot of research was that actually some of the founders they don't want to be seen to be shouting about it or or putting their head above the pulpit so to speak because they need investment and they might come across the investors who aren't quite ready to change that so they don't want to be seen as rocking the boat and and shouting and screaming from the rooftops so that's kind of where I come in and go well I'll do it (laughs) 
<laughs> right. I'm quite willing to do it. I'll put my hand up. I will do this and, and be that voice for a group of women who are wanting change, who, who need that change and, and who want it and champion it. Thank you so much for bringing that into our space here because one of the things I work primarily with women who are in tech companies and they're building their career. And there's so often this fear of rocking the boat and this idea, well, if I go out on my own, then it's my boat and I can rock it as much as I want to. And it's so, especially as we're, you know, we're talking about brave stories and our brave role models, we're going to be facing that no matter how we focus our careers and our service into the world. Because as much as, yes, technology is innovative, it is failing to truly be innovative because we're missing huge swaths of the human experience. Yeah. Oh, hugely. I mean, one of the the most eye-opening books, I think, of last year or the year before was Invisible Women. That, to me, was... I mean, jaw dropping because it really explained that, you know, we're moving into a world where where AI and algorithms and all of this will control just about everything and anything we do, you know, mortgage applications, university applications, everything, everything is out, will have algorithms and will be automated. So that's cool. And we're all like, yes, that's great. But actually, (laughs) there's so much bias in these algorithms because everything is based on measurements of either or men or you know the lifestyle of man or the size of man your apple phone is designed for a man's hand medicine for goodness sake medicine is designed on the weight of men's bodies so women will never ever have the correct dosage of medicine Uh because the medicine has been designed for a man's body and their cycles yeah yeah Car crashes. Women are 46% likely to be more seriously injured in a car crash because the seatbelt and the seat and the steering wheel and the distance and all of that has been designed for male bodies. And our bodies don't fit that, so we're more likely to be far more seriously injured. What? Yes, and I love that you're bringing these examples from all these different industries because, A, tech is the spine of the world. So tech is and AI is in manufacturing, of course, and medicine and health and all of these other areas. And it's not just men generally, right? So we see, for example, a very good friend of ours is Maori. And when he attempts to get into a car, it's a joke because it's for men like my husband, white European background and build. Yeah, totally. It is. You know, it's funny, everything in the world is designed for the white standard sized man. <laughs> and what what I find really funny about that is I mean it's you know, history proves why why that's the case and I, which is appalling in the first place. But what I find really, really surprising about this is that, you know, like when I was telling a lot of the guys I know that I was starting this company, a lot of them are founders because I worked in a tech incubator for a couple of years. So I was a community yeah. manager and I was, you know, helping startups day to day anyway, mainly male startups because they were the majority right. of the males in, in the incubator, right? So when I told them that I was starting this company, their, their first reaction was, well, what about me? And I'm like, wow, have you any idea how much privilege you have anyway, just in your whole day-to-day life? And the minute you try and shout equality, they see it as oppression. Mm -hmm. So what's that about? It's like, why do you see 
equality of other people to yeah. you as oppression to you somehow because mm-hmm. actually you are so privileged that you don't even know how privileged you are that anything mm-hmm. that you're not receiving and that somebody else is receiving in order yeah. to get a small fraction of equality feels like your oppression like that's crazy yes. to me you know and don't get me wrong there's some males out there who champion that which is great but we need more absolutely absolutely and i worked for a gentleman who gave me the phrase, you know, one of those verbal like, boom, aha, which is equality feels like oppression for the privileged. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, That's right. And then another woman that I had the deep, deep pleasure of working for, um, her name is Maggie Chan Jones, and she was one of the 3% women of Asian descent who was in the sea level. And she said to me, when we market to anyone outside of a specific identity, the only people who don't feel like that could relate to them are the ones who are used to being marketed to, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. right? And so one of the things that I love to talk about is the good old gals network. I love connecting. I mean, that's one of the reasons that I love having these interviews and these conversations, right? You've already brought data, you've brought books, you've brought yourself and your hugeness, your wonderfulness into this, right? It's inspiring for all of us. And when people, when men specifically have said to me, well, what, I can't be in your network? I'm like, of course you can. Just like I played that I was Superman as a kiddo. Yeah. You can be a member (laughs) of the good old gals network. It's It's just dependent on you deciding that that's a choice for you. That's yeah. it. And, and, you know, there there are men out there who really do champion equality and, and, you know, the underrepresented. And, and that's great. But they're still not doing it to a level that we can hear them. It's like, I want to hear you more. And yeah. I think that's the, the case. We're now just really just beginning this movement of, especially in tech specifically, that... And this is the thing as well, you know, of the 2.3% of women or female founders getting funding... The majority of those are white because 0.27% of them are from ethnic backgrounds. So you know what? If you get there and you make it, you hold the door open and you make sure the women of ethnicity come with you. Take them with you. This is not a them and us. This is a we are together. This is a sisterhood. This is a great book I read recently, Hood Feminism. It's amazing because it just gives every woman who, white feminist woman, a big kick up the ass, Uh slap in the face to say, "Uh uh-uh, no, you left us behind. And the author is so right. Her name is Nikki Kendall. Nikki Kendall. When you mentioned it, I ordered it. Yeah. (laughs) I was like, I need this. Yeah. It's great. But it is a wake-up call. And she's right. She's completely right. It's like, you know, we were fighting for feminism and equal rights back in the 50s and the 60s and all of that. Us white women, we got it. We got the vote. We got and. But we forgot to leave the door open and take everybody with us. Instead, we kind of got, well, we've got ours. Thanks. Yep. Yep. And in the United States and in Germany, we closed the door. We actively closed the door in Germany and the United States. I'm not exactly sure about that. That's the appalling side of it because it's like, wait a second. If you're fighting for women's equality, you take every single woman with you, please. 
So that's my yes. that's my thing about FFS as well. It's definitely around yes, we are underrepresented, yes, we are underfunded, but we are together. It's sisterhood over competition is our our little slogan and our ethos is founder first and it's women of every ethnicity, not just white. And community of service which really inspired me which directly relates to the brave story that you wanted to share with our audience. Yes. Yeah, I guess so. So my brave story really came about, where are we, 2021? So 2019, I hear about this book that's going around. I'm like, what's this book? Glenn, Glennon Doyle, Untamed. I'm like, why can I not find this book? It was sold out on Amazon. I'm like, I must find this book. Forgot about it for a couple of months. And then I heard about it again. I was like, right. Got the book, read the book in like two days, like I just couldn't put the book down. Children were neglected, nobody was fed, <laughs> you know. I'm like, no, 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 mommy needs to read this book. So I read the book and that, it was so, it hit me like square in the jaw and the pit of my stomach because, you know, I used to be this kid who was so righteous, opinionated, I was going to change the world. I was going to do, you know, I was that girl in her, you know, her, her Supergirl outfit. Yeah, you know, yeah. on a BMX bike, jumping over ramps and stuff. <laughs> you know, I was that, I was that kid. Feral, you know, just like, I didn't care what people thought. And you know what? Let's just, uh, like the book describes all these small grains of sand that go through a woman's life that just take that little bit of spirit out of you every time. They make you feel ashamed for being bossy when actually bossy is being assertive or yep. being called aggressive for being assertive that was me like my whole career previously um I you know I had a law career for 23 years before I got into tech and you know if you were seen as being opinionated or just too assertive it was like whoa 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 yeah. you know back yeah. in your box you yeah. can't voice this here and so this chipped away at me for a long long time and and you know, shame for certain things. And, and this book was just like, just totally uncovered all of that for me. And that was when I was like, right, I'm going to have my voice. I am going to be my voice. I'm going to be that little girl that I tucked away and was made to conform. And I sort of pushed her away. And, and I was like, no, 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 this is not happening. At the same time, we go into lockdown in 2020. I start doing some industry reading because I'm sitting at the dining table with the kids, homeschooling. Mm. I'm sitting for like eight hours in front of my Mac and I'm like, and the yeah. kids are driving me like slightly crazy <laughs> as much. I love them dearly, but you know, yeah, totally. <laughs> the first time we did homeschooling was like, oh my God, mm. I am not a teacher. No, nope. I wanted to be a teacher. This is, this yep. is driving me nuts. Yeah, we called it schooling from home. Because I noticed that this like concept of homeschooling meant that I, not my husband, I yes. was the teacher. Yes. And I was like, nah, y'all, we are yeah. schooling from home because you are the teacher and I support you and the kids. But I'm not a teacher. Yeah. I know. It was difficult, right? So that was fun. So anyway, so, so for my sanity, I was like, right, I need to leave this dining room table at least for one to two hours a day just to be on my own in a cupboard in a corner somewhere. <laughs> <laughs> like in darkness with a torch and a book um, yeah no one can disturb me you know just me and the dog I let the dog come because he's easy so I started reading all these industry reports so I'm reading things like the British Bank and Diversity VC report I was reading this Rose report that came out I was reading all the I love um, always it's an organization in the U.S. 
that totally backs underrepresented founders. It's brilliant. Their reports that were coming out. I'm reading all of this and, and just really for the first time understanding the inequity in tech for female founders. Mm-hmm. Because I've been working in tech for the, at this point for two years as a community manager in a tech incubator. And what is surprising for me, I remember the first day on the job, my, my boss was said to me, um, you know, yeah, you know, it's, it's very well known that women in tech don't get funded. And for some reason, and I couldn't, I couldn't for the life of me figure out why I didn't question that then, because I am annoyingly curious. And I was just like, okay, and just, just let that go. So that was the, the June or the February before this. So for the full year, I'd let that slide. At the end of 2019, read the Glenn and Doyle book. Come into March 2020, I'm reading these these reports around just the gravity of the inequity in tech. Yeah. That's it. That's instantly it. This fire in my belly mm-hmm. alights. And I'm like, okay, I need to do something here and I need to do it. I need to be brave because I am going to stop conforming. I'm going to stop keeping quiet. I'm going to stop enabling the status quo by being mm-hmm. silent. I'm going to be the voice and I'm going to be this loud person that stands up and says, no, this is not right. And I'm going to form a community of women that will back me up and we'll all support each other. And so that was it. That was that was my brave moment because it probably took me, I was 45 at the time. So I think I'd been silenced for a good 20, 25 years. So that was... Yeah. That was it. It was like, okay, I'm not conforming to this anymore. And you know what? Just to show you I'm not conforming, my company is going to be called the Female Founder Squad and it's going to abbreviate to FFS because I'm going to say, (laughs) for fuck's sake, this is ridiculous that we are facing this in 2021 and I am not conforming any further. So that was me. I think that was, and it it has been at times, like, am I doing the right thing? But God, Mm -hmm. yeah. It's given me a whole new purpose. It has given me a drive I never had before. And I loved my job in tech. I really loved it in the tech incubator. But this is totally different. This is like, I have a purpose. I have to be brave to do it, but I'm embracing it. It's so exciting to me and it's so rewarding because we already have, you know, so many women in our community who are like, I love what you do. I love what you're doing. I love what you're doing for us. This is awesome. Yeah. So so that was my brave moment, I think, but it was the most empowering moment I've had in a long, long time. There's so much, so much beautiful about that story. And I'm sure you saw me tear up, is that you're still in it. And I mean, yeah, just the beginning, really. one of the ways that we connected was this vulnerability and this insecurity that still comes in waves. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, we are yeah. really making a huge difference in our own ways. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and absolutely. often I still look into the mirror and go, am I really doing this? Yeah. <laughs> and, and yet just yeah. coming back into this untamed. And untamed was the quote that started this entire podcast, right? Yeah. The definition yeah. of brave yeah. and how brave is disappointing everyone else, but not mm-hmm. yourself. And... Yeah, coming into that untamed space more and more often and saying, not that, yes, this. Yeah, I mean, I think we are so conditioned as girls and women 
that we don't even realize how conditioned we are being. You know, yeah. it's like that hidden data, you know, that, that invisible women in the big invisible women. Mm-hmm. We don't even know that that's happening to us. So we don't even know um, because it happens so gradually, like tiny, small grains of sand, like yeah. Lennon's oil says. We don't even realize how conditioned we are being as we grow up, as we move through our teenage years to, to young mm-hmm. women. And, and then each step of the way, if we're not conforming or we're not living up to society's expectations of what young women or young girls or, or women are supposed to be, we're given a sort of feeling of shame or, or put down. Mm-hmm. And, and actually women do it to other women as well, which is oh, crazy. Yes. Yeah. I think this is what's interesting about this book. It's like when you realize that for me to realize that I'd been conditioned so badly that I'd lost my voice completely. Mm-hmm. And I'd lost my voice, so not standing up for myself, not standing up for women, not standing up for the things I believe in when I was so, I mean, I was like you know, ready to, to be prime minister when I was when I was young, you know, I'm gonna, I'm gonna fight for this and I'm gonna, you know, yeah. and I lost all of that. And that was where the conditioning came in. Yeah. So yeah. conforming and breaking away from that is where the untamed comes in. Don't allow yourself to be untamed. And as you know, I felt so passionately about it. I, I got it tattooed on yes. my arm. I don't have any tattoos. <laughs> never, ever aspired to have any tattoos. I love tattoos on other people, but it was something yeah. I was just like, you know what? I am going to do that. I Just to remind myself every day, and I can see it. It's just on my arm every day. I can see it. And it's like, yeah, I yes. know. I, that's, that's who I'm going to be yeah. from now on. That's how I'm going to show up. And that's, that's how I'm going to encourage other women to be, and especially my, my own daughter. Yeah. Yeah. And our sons too. Be your fullness. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Your yeah. fullness, whatever that is, right? What I love also about your tattoo, about the story, is it includes this flower, this yes. beautiful, yeah. gentle, natural, untamed as well. Yeah. It's like all of it yes. together, which is so representative of your energy and the service you're bringing. You know what? That's cool that you recognize that because that's exactly what I wanted it to be. I wanted to show the fragility of femininity because it's a transparent flower. The petals are transparent, which was extremely painful to get done. But anyway, (laughs) it was worth it. But yeah, so the flower represents that sort of fragile side of femininity and who we are and Mm -hmm. you know inside we like you said you know there's always this insecurity don't even get me started on the imposter syndrome thing you know what I feel about that but (sighs) it's just about you know have that fragility have that vulnerability we all know how vulnerable these tiny the most fragile of flowers are but yet they're strong enough to withstand the rain and the wind and so it has that but in the stem is the word untamed so that's it's be both it's it's still remain the 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 fragility and the vulnerability of and the wonderfulness of being feminine but at the same time make sure you're untamed to any conforming expectations of society and be you yeah yeah live into and up to your own expectations yeah 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 Yeah, exactly and speaking of who is the brave role model that you'd like to share with us oh you know I think for me it it has to be there's there's so many women that I really admire in today's world, but well-known women, famous women. I love Oprah. I love Michelle Obama. I love them all. I love these guys specifically because they're untamed. They're not conforming. They have an opinion. They have a voice and they use their platform well. But Brave for me is my heritage. It's every single woman 
that has been in my family. I think the women in, our, in my family, we are strong, <laughs> strong, strong women. My my mom and my grandmother specifically. I mean, you know, my granddad called my grandmother Tiger and that was for a reason. You know, she was just this amazing woman. If you mess with her kids or her family, beware. A really strong woman. She was one of the first women to divorce her husband back in the day when, you know, divorce was really, really unheard of. He was abusive towards her and her son. And she was like, nope, I'm not having this. And so she left and she was disowned really by her family because she divorced him. And then my, she met my granda and he was kind of disowned from his family because he married her. So he married a divorcee. And you know what? They were they were the couple that I would aspire to be. You know, they were so in love. They they just they were amazing. And then my mom, my own mom, she was a single parent for a long time. She took my brother and I, again, she left my my father, was an alcoholic. He wasn't abusive in a sense, but he he just he, he was ill. That wasn't an environment to bring up two kids. He burnt our house down and left us with nothing. And, you know, she just got on with it. She just took us. Uh, my brother was less than, I think, a year or, or maybe just a year old at the time. Yeah. And, um, you know, she started over and she never asked for a penny from him. She didn't want anything from him. And she, I think that my brother is one of the most amazing human beings in the world. So she did the best job with him. And um, I think mm -hmm. he says the same about me. So, you know, I think she did a really great job. Um, I think she, so too. You know, <laughs> I yeah, think so thanks. too. <laughs> she just inspires me because, you know, she, she made me realize don't sit and, and take a bad life. You know, if you want to make a good life, you go and you make it yourself. And you can be anything you want to be. Everybody is equal. Yeah, That was her thing. You know, you can be anything you want to be. So, so just do it. I just, I guess just the, the things and, you know, if something isn't working out, just change it. Just yeah. have the freedom to do it and yeah. always have the bravery to do it. And with no money, you know, it's like, yeah. you don't need money to do it. Just pack a bag, take your children, off you go and life will work out for you because mm. it is what you make it, you know, and that, that was a good lesson for me very young. Yeah. One of the powerful things that I've learned through therapy is that a choice was made with a certain set of experiences, knowledge, expectations, assumptions. And when any yeah. of those change, free choice, yeah. right? Yeah. And, and part of that is who I am on the inside. And that, that power and that role modeling that it's always a good time to make a different choice. Yeah. Yeah. Talk about brave. Talk about yeah, brave. No, seriously. Yeah. I mean, my mom took us to when she when she left my dad, he burned the house down. So we literally our all our clothes, toys, like everything gone. We had nothing. And we went to a woman's refuge house for, for a long time. Yeah. And and we lived there and it was not like lie in bed, feel sorry for yourself. It was like, right, let's go. This yeah. this is good. This is just a new chapter. This is just something else that's where that sort of freedom of always knowing that if life isn't working out for you the way you want mm -hmm. it and you're not being treated mm -hmm. the way you want to be treated just change it yeah. it's really simple it's just really really simple and i think it's it's really important for women to know that they always have that freedom you to do used that. a turn of phrase 
that, wow, this isn't what I call happiness. How stunning. Because it's about our internal lives and our experience as individuals in a greater society. This is what I call happiness. Yeah. I mean, the thing is, everyone has their own expectations of what happiness is. They have their own definitions. They have their own perspectives on it. But for me, happiness is, it's my kids first and foremost. It's being able to provide the life. And it's not the life materialistically. It's the emotional, it's the supportive, it's the loving, it's the caring life that I was brought up with and that I expect my children to have. And so when when my life wasn't going that well for them, it was that was I knew that that was when I had to make the choice to give them the happiness that mm-hmm. they weren't experiencing. You get one life. And that's certainly my, something my mom taught me. One life, do if it's not working out, move yeah. it. Only you can change it. it can, only you can give yourself the life that you want. So if, if happiness isn't working and it's not there, then that you can find it. That is just, thank you for that gift. What an incredible. You're welcome. What an incredible turn of phrase <laughs> that's actually a viewpoint into how to live Ooh. a life this yeah. is what happiness looks like for me yeah yeah and that's it that's that's it that's that's everyone yeah. should feel like that right? yeah and of course life is you know to keep it simple 50 50 right we'll have moments of like physical hunger and sometimes i mean sometimes i still have envy or disappointment exhaustion, et cetera. But it's about having ever more moments of personal pride, pride in myself and connectedness with others, confidence, joy, Mm -hmm. acceptance. Yeah, totally. (laughs) This is what happiness looks like for me. I am so grateful for your time and for the just the incredible wisdom that you brought in here and additional resources. I'll make sure that the books are listed in the show notes. Yeah. I am going to encourage people yes. already to check out your podcast, y'all. It's called the Female yes. Founder Squad Podcast, and it blows mm-hmm. the expectations away. The stories are so unexpected connective. It's true. I'm just, please go check it out. But how else can people stay in touch with your story, learn more about your platform? Yeah. So the platform just now is going into uh, V2. So we're, we're just at the moment redeveloping that. Um, this is yeah. in um, June 2021. It's going through yes. redevelopment. Yes. So we're just coming towards the end of June. We're going to redeploy the platform I have a digger outside my window. Can you hear that? (laughs) I'm like, what? So we're going to relaunch the platform at the end of August. The platform the first time was really about connecting with women to give them support that they needed because being a female founder can be isolating. It can be lonely. And, you know, you go unfunded like we discussed, but it was there to sort of connect and support like-minded women. But 
the second platform, I realized that there's far more I can do with that platform because, you know, there's three main areas. I used the first platform as like an MVP. So I mm -hmm. uh, created Hypothesis and I created, you know, validation around th um, three main areas. So the three main blockages for female founders are one is learning because not every female founder has the time or the capability to join an accelerator program and do this, do something right. full time for 12 weeks. So there's a huge piece of knowledge that's missing, especially around the, the methodologies that we use in tech, you know, like lean methodology mm -hmm. and right. project management, like agile and, and all these frameworks that really help form and create successful startups. So that exactly. was one of the things that I really noticed with our members that that was kind of missing and they really wanted mm -hmm. it. You know, they really, really wanted it. They were keen to learn. There's also this area that no matter how awesome your MVP is and your product launch and all of that, if you're a female founder that's unfunded, you have a really small marketing budget. So what I want to do in the next platform is build a showcase platform, kind of like a marketplace. And okay. it will be the first female-led tech marketplace. And that will really provide the global reach for each of the members' startups because the money coming in from the platform through the subscription model, a good chunk of that will go in marketing this marketplace. So as our membership grows, the marketing budget for the marketplace will grow hugely. Therefore, the customer reach of every single startup listed in that marketplace is essentially free marketing for them. Yeah, um, but I want to showcase. Yeah. yeah, I just want to showcase female-led products and services and give them that global exposure that they want. So that's happening. And then thirdly, and probably one of the most important ones is the investor matching tool. We know 2.3% of female founders get funded yep. across the globe. So for me, the data has screamed out for such a long time that this process doesn't work. This process of VC mm -hmm. funding, angel funding was designed and built by men for men, like everything else in the yep. world that we discussed, as intelligent, amazing, awesome women why are we not finding our own route to, to funding? Why have we not created this? Why have we not designed something that works for us? Mm. So this is me trying to do this. So this is the investor matching tool, which will take, once you're, you're, you've gone through that sort of knowledge learning, you know what your storytelling is, you've got your pitch deck, you know what kind yep. of funding you want. Not every woman wants angel or VC funding. And so we have a list of every kind of investment or funding organization within the matching tool. And we'll match you up to those funders. So this is an alternative route to funding for female founders. And we're just gathering all these funders at the moment. We've got some really big VCs in there already and some angels. Excellent. And, um, we've even got government level funding as well, which is great. So this, I think that's, you know, really, really important. So the platform really is the knowledge, the marketplace and the investor matching tool, but always at the heart of it is the community. It's founder first ethos. That's it. You know, we're, we're here to help, support, give you the exposure that you need and get you the funding that you need so that we can mm -hmm. we can start really reducing these crazy inequity, inequitable figures and yeah. get women the just the opportunity. That's it. Just give them the same opportunity as as the guys, because the data shows that once a female led startups have the funding, they're more successful. Uh -huh. They're 33% more successful. Yep. So, so yeah. So that's that. So yeah, we're going for launch in August, which is, is exciting, but terrifying because there's so much to do. <laughs> <laughs> well, I am rooting for you and yes. I'm sure 
so many of our listeners are as yeah. well. Yeah. Because quite frankly, we deserve a different industry. Yeah, yeah, you're right. No, I just want to say, and anyone who wants updates and or wants to join the waiting list, you just go to femalefoundersquad.com. We are just in the process. I'm just waiting for my rebranding coming out this week. I'm so excited about Ooh. we're changing platforms. We're currently uh, Mighty Networks, but we're changing to another one. But we're going to have a holding okay. page. So you can join the waiting list and uh, get the newsletters, get all the updates. And also in the newsletter, I get really cool um, resources and, and stuff like that out to you guys. Yes. Yeah. Really yeah, useful Yeah, I've definitely stuff. heard that as well. Mm. Yeah. But thank you so much. That was awesome. That was really thank good. Thank you. And folks follow Zoe. <laughs> Stay in the loop. We are making this world a better place. Thank you, Zoe. Thanks so much. I appreciate it. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Celebrate Brave podcast. If you're ready to build your brave, to live a life you love and create a career that matters to you, reach out. Together, we can spend time one-on-one to explore how I can help you. And until then, share this episode with people in your life, people who can join our movement to redefine brave, how we identify it, experience it, and celebrate it.